Good morning, Friendship Church. I don't know, did the groundhog see his shadow or not see his shadow or? Okay, okay. So that means, that means we have six more weeks of this sermon series, okay? Is that what that means? Is it? <laughs> uh, I don't know, something like that. Uh Looking forward to today, um, <laughs> Kingdom-Minded, it's the name of our sermon series that we've been talking about, and uh, this, this sermon this uh, morning, if I was to preach this sermon at, uh, at, at Southwestern for my preaching professor, he would probably give me a D minus, okay, I'm just letting you know that ahead of time, um, because one of his things was that, that you don't want to read just a lot of scripture. You want a max of 15 verses. That sounds weird to put like a cap on the number of verses you read in a, in a sermon. But what he, was, what he was trying to tell us is that you don't just want to like read chapters and chapters and then not explain what's going on or that sort of thing. And so he, he was kind of teaching us to do that. Uh, I'm going way more than 15 verses, okay? So <laughs> if you like the Bible, you might, you might give me more than a D minus. In fact, you know what? Don't text me your grades throughout this week, okay? I, just, I don't want to know just, all right, here we go. And so you've heard from me, we're going to hear from Jesus, okay? We're going to hear from Jesus this morning. I think every word uh, is going to come from Jesus here today. Um, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of God and being kingdom-minded. Uh, we've already looked at how God is as our king. He is our creator and supreme rules over everything. There's a nation under rule. It was Israel for um, his, his special people, and then we as Gentiles are invited into that as well. There was Saul thinking versus David thinking, and we want to be a David thinker, which is we think about the glory of God and for other people. And then last week we talked about goodness, that it is not our goodness that gets us into heaven, but it is Christ's goodness, amen? And as uh, we get closer to the Lord, his goodness fills us up, and then we are able to overflow with goodness to other people, but I don't, I don't want to be the best version of me, I want to be like Jesus, amen? And so that's, I want God's goodness to fill us up, and so we're looking here today at the kingdom of God is like. Uh, there are several different um, parables, passages of scripture where he talks about this, uh, where he says the kingdom of God is like, so we're not looking at every single one of those, but we're looking at a lot of them uh, here this morning to see what the kingdom of God is like and how we can be or should be kingdom-minded. And what I'm, what I'm talking about today, every, um, every Christian who is in this room, everyone who is watching online, really whether you're a Christian or not, you know what I'm going to say today, whether you want to believe it or not. You know, what I'm going, you know what I'm talking about, and you understand to a certain degree, but it needs to be on the forefront of our mind all the time. Um, as we look to see what God has for us. That's what we're looking at. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, first says this, which I guess I'll tell you this. Um, I'm going to be in Matthew, so if you want to turn to Matthew, my main text is Matthew 21, if you want to turn to Matthew 21, but I'm also going to be in Matthew in a couple other places as well, Matthew 13, and, uh, but I will definitely be in Matthew 21 if you want to turn there. But first of all, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, says, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. And believe the good news. It says the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. There's, there's this, where the kingdom of God, we know 
uh, is happened before earth and will happen when earth passes away. That is the kingdom of God. That, that is creation. Uh, but there's this weird kind of tension here where it's the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is coming. So the kingdom of God is here and it's right now, but it's also coming. There's something that is coming that we all need to out. And so because of what is coming, he says, repent and believe the good news. Now, repent means to, if you were going in this direction right here, that you completely turn around and go the other way. That's what repentance is. So repentance is, you know, I'm, I'm committing these sins or I'm going in this direction and this is the way that I'm going. When I hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, I turn away from that and I go in this direction here. Yes? Amen? Does that make sense? So it's not just I'm sorry for what I've done. It's not just I'll try to do better. That's not repentance. Okay? Repentance is when you turn and you forsake all of that, all those things that you want to do or you get tempted to do, you turn, you repent of that. That is not the way that I want to live my life. That is not the direction that I want to go. So I am turning from that and I am moving toward Christ. That's what repentance means. It's more than just I'm sorry. It's changing. It's completely changing. He says, believe the good news. So what's the good news? Okay, the good news in in just one sentence. We know the good news means the gospel, right? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so kind of a, a short one-sentence definition of the gospel is the good news that Jesus made a way for our salvation. And how many of you know that that is good news? That Jesus made a way for our salvation. So you say Jesus because it's not me. It's not my goodness. It's not I did more good things than bad things, so I should be good, okay? No, it's Jesus Christ. No one else. Jesus Christ made a way. That means he actually acted upon. He did something to do this. He acted. He came down to this earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave. That is made a way for our salvation. We had to have salvation. We needed saving. We were born in a sinful uh, nature where we needed salvation. Okay? If the floodwaters are coming up, you don't have to say, well, it's not my fault that the floodwaters are coming up. Well, it doesn't matter if it's your fault or not. The floodwaters are coming, and you needed saving. So whether you, it's your fault or not, you need saving. And so Jesus made a way for our salvation, and that is good news. It is great news, actually. So he says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So he says, uh, the kingdom of God is like in several verses. So Mark chapter 40, verse 30 says, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So this mustard seed, the, the, the smallest seed, when it's planted in the ground, and of course there's water and there's sunlight, it grows into this huge tree. There's another parable where it talks about the farmer plants seed, and he doesn't know how it grows, but it grows. I mean, he puts water and sunlight, but the molecular structure of whatever, he doesn't know how, we just know that it does, right? We just know that it does. And so when that mustard seed, the smallest mustard seed, so we, when, you know, at the beginning of the creation, there was nothing going on, and then all of a sudden, let there be light, 
we've got a we've got a big tree now. Okay, we've, we there is something going on. There is a big thing going on now. When Jesus Christ came to this earth in bodily form, he did not come down riding a flaming chariot and with white horses and people shooting bows and arrows. That's not how he came. He came as a small baby in a manger in a little town of Bethlehem. And out of that little, a huge kingdom of God came out. So this small mustard seed then begins to grow. Interesting enough, the next story in the Bible is where he calmed the storm. And so where we, we can take shade underneath that, he protects us. And that's many times what that large tree does. So we're looking at several verses here where it talks about the kingdom of God. And then also, if you've noticed this in, in the Gospels, it talks about the kingdom of heaven as well. So you get the kingdom of God and you get the kingdom of heaven. Was it the same thing? Which, which one do we focus on? What, what's going on here? So the kingdom of God is, uh, it, it, it is spoken in Mark and in Luke and in John. Matthew uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. So in some regards, they are the same because they, in the same stories, they use the same words. So for instance, this mustard seed story that is in Mark where he says kingdom of God, in Matthew he says kingdom of heaven. If you look at other stories, uh, when it says that the kingdom of God in Mark belongs to such as these, talking about children, well, that story in Matthew, he says, kingdom of heaven. It's tough for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God in Mark and Luke and in heaven in Matthew. So in some regards, it's the same. But, when, but it, it is curious that only Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. And Mark, Luke, and John say the kingdom of God. So Matthew is looking at a specific part of the kingdom of heaven, which is what we're talking about here today which is the day of the Lord that's coming. There's a rapture, there's a second coming, there's an end of the age that is coming. And so that's what Matthew is talking about here when he, when he is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? We all here on the same page here? All right. So Matthew chapter 13. Um, I'm going to read uh, Matthew 21 here in just a minute, but right now we're in Matthew chapter 13. I, I got several verses here. I didn't want Uche working all morning, okay? You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm going to give Uche a little bit of a break. Is that okay? I got the, I got the thumbs up. That's good. <laughs> Okay, so more than 15 verses today. Are y'all ready? Come on. He kind of said that, and, and it's like, you know, people get, people get distracted and get lost when you start listening to more verses. I believe that I have a mature church. Is that right? You can handle more than 15 verses, right? You like how I'm throwing that at you? It's not me, it's you. <laughs> All right. We got a mature audience here, so let's look at this. Matthew, we're going to read some in 13, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among, among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. 
So Jesus did a lot of this. He spoke in parables, which is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so he'll tell a story that his audience at that time especially knew and understood, farming. Now, we, I don't know if there's any farmers in here, but they, we know generally speaking that farming, that you plant the seed, there, there's a harvest day, so you can take them off, whatever. So we kind of generally know what he's talking about. But he'll use these parables or these earthly stories with heavenly meanings to tell us a story that we can understand a little bit of what he's talking about, and then he brings the spiritual application to it. Some would say the moral of the story. I don't really like the moral. But the spiritual application to what he's talking about. So he tells this story to everybody, and he does this a few times, where he'll tell a story to everybody, but then he'll tell his disciples later what the meaning of it is. And that's some of what's happening here. And so he tells this story. Now, you've probably heard this story, so you know what, I'm, you, you know what he's talking about, and you know what he's saying. Well, let's skip over just a couple of verses. Verse 30, 36, the disciples came and they said, explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. So they had not heard this before. You've probably read this before. You've heard it before. They have not, and they don't know what's coming. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. All right, so we've got all of our characters here in line, okay? The Son of Man, he plants these seeds, this creation, he creates these people. They're in the world, and, but then you've got Satan, and he sends his in, but the harvest is coming. That's the end of the age, and it's coming, and his angels are the harvesters. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin in all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there is good wheat there is good plants, and then there are weeds. And at the end of the day, there is going to be a separation. There's going to be a separation of, of the good and the evil. I'm thankful that it is not our goodness that determines, but it is Christ's goodness. But when he looks to these that are turned away, these evildoers, those who, who do not follow Jesus, they are in the fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It, has to, it will be the worst thing to ever happen to wake up in hell. To know that for an eternity, there is going to be a separation between you and God. And the Bible says that there are going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's, there's, there's going to be a, a few people there. One of those kinds of people are going to be those who are weeping. Those people who say, I knew it, I just didn't believe it. I've heard it, but I didn't follow through. Maybe there are some that will say, why didn't someone tell me? Why didn't someone tell me? And there's going to be weeping. But then there's also going to be those who gnashed their teeth, those who are gnashing teeth. In the Bible, this idea of gnashing teeth is a few spots in the Bible. And it talks about 
that the people, when they gnashed their teeth, it was normally at authority. They gnashed their teeth. They didn't like what happened, and so they, they held their fist out to authority in, in, as, a, as a form of dissent. And so there are going to be people who wake up and will hate God all the more, and they will gnash their teeth at him because they will have tried it their way thinking that their way was better, and then when they realize that they are wrong, they'll hate God even more. Her story that Stalin did that on his deathbed. His, his last act was to hold his fist up, up to the heavens. And that is a reality at the end of this age. And you say, wow, that's That's bleak. And I would say, for some, for some it is. Verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So there are some that they will turn away and they will try to find their own path and their own way, and they will wind up in what we call hell, where there is weeping and there is gnashing of teeth this furnace at the end of the age. But then there are some that they will follow the Lord, and they will follow Christ, and they will live with him in eternity one day forever. Forever. And so that's why he says, repent. Repent and believe the good news. If you repent, if you are going in this direction, which by the way, it's not one direction and one direction. There are millions of directions to go this way. There are many paths to take over here where you are trying to figure out your life and where you're going. There is one way to heaven, and it is through Jesus Christ. One way to heaven, and it is through Jesus Christ. And so for those over here, this is where, this is where we become kingdom-minded, okay? Kingdom of heaven, it's coming. So we have to ask ourselves, how is my soul? First and foremost, how is my soul? Secondly, how are the souls of those who are closest to me? My family, my extended family, my friends. And then, how are those on the uttermost parts of the world? That's why we give to missions. That's why we send people out to tell people all four corners of the world. Because this is a reality. How many of you believe this reality that at the end of the age, there is a separation? And so we have to tell. We have to tell those. We have to ask ourselves. We have to tell those who are closest to us. And we have to go and tell outside. So what do we do with this information? If, if what I just said is true, that there is a separation, and some go to heaven and some go to hell, What do we do with this information? Verse 45, still there in Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven, excuse me, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. When he found this treasure, what I just told you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is a way out of this place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, there is a way out of that, and it is through Jesus Christ. This is a treasure that now you have found, that you know. And so what did this man do? He forsook everything over here, and he sold everything. There is nothing in this world 
that I am going to care about as much as going in this direction because of this gospel that I have found. He sells everything. So this is sin, the sin that is in our life, the gossiping, the lying, looking at porn, adultery, malice, murder, all of it that keeps us from right relationship with God. And so we forsake it. Not only sin, there are even good things that keep our eyes off the prize, if you will. There are good things that are out there. Getting money, watching sports, I don't know, all these things. That's fine to do, but if you're continually, if it's continually taking your eyes off of what Jesus has done for you, then it is a hindrance to you and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We keep our eyes on Jesus. That treasure that he has provided for us. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This treasure of eternal life with Christ and with God one day is worth more than anything this world has to offer. Amen? And so we would forsake all of that to go this direction, to go in this direction, because the end of the days are coming. Verse 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. When they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw away the bad. This is how it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous, and they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There it is again. Throw away the unrighteous. They will get what they deserve. And then these are put into, the good fish is put into baskets and sent for their eternity with God the Father. This is the reality of my situation. It is the reality of your situation. It is the reality of everyone who has ever lived, from Mother Teresa, everyone. This is the reality of the situation. And so how would we not keep this on the forefront of our mind? Like, if this is real, if this is not real, let's, let's, let's go out to eat, let's leave. There's no, but if this is real, then how can it escape the front of our mind. I want to constantly ask, how is my soul? Constantly ask, how are the souls of those who are closest to me? And how can I go to the uttermost parts of the world and to tell them? I'm thankful that he gives us that chance to do. Matthew chapter 21 our main text. Verse 1. Matthew 21, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So here's a story again something that we are all familiar with. We have all been to a, a wedding. Most of us have been to a wedding. So we understand 
that there are invitations that are sent out, right? Should we invite them? Should we not invite them? God is this king who prepares a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants, which are throughout history, especially the Old Testament, these kings and these prophets and these men of God to tell them that they had been invited to the banquet, but they refused to come. What this is is the nation of Israel. There are some that refused to come. As you've seen through the scriptures, there is this up and down of following the Lord, not following the Lord. So verse 4 says, Then he sent more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted, fatted cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Once again, he is allowing opportunity for his nation, the, one that, uh, the nation that he loves, the nation that he has led, the, the nation that he has saved, time after time after time again, they know what salvation is like. They know what redemption is like. Time and time and time again, go tell them again. We're talking about Noah. We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about Moses, David, Daniel, Isaiah, Nehemiah. They, they keep telling them. They keep telling them and telling them. Verse 5, but they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And Jerusalem fell. And it was a sad time. They were scattered. He gave them chance after chance after chance after chance. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners. Invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. So this is after Jesus Christ comes. And he says, we're going to invite everybody. So the Gentiles, all of us, all of us are invited. And this is the bad and the good came. They're like, yeah, sounds good. Let's go this direction. And so we are all invited. So this 2,000 years since then, we have been invited to come to this banquet. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this can be a little confusing when you first look at it. Because what he came, like he was in the building. What's the problem here? And he wasn't wearing the right wedding clothes. Now, you, okay, let's, you can go too far with this. This is not necessarily talking about modesty, okay? Like no holes in your jeans and, you know, four fingers on the, for ladies. and like Okay, that's not really what it's talking about here, okay? So you, you don't have to, like, that's a good sermon. Like, we can talk about modesty later. Like, that's, that, that's good. We should talk about that, okay? Um, I'm just saying, that's not what this is talking about, okay? <laughs> that's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is that he entered this hall in his own clothes. There was not a changing into wedding clothes. 
So what this guy did is what I talked about last week is that he tried to get in in his goodness, wearing his clothes. So he came into the wedding hall. He came to church. He came in here trying to get in, trying to be accepted, wearing his goodness, wearing his clothes. And while the king walks in and he sees wedding clothes and wedding clothes and and he sees God's righteousness, he sees a man not in wedding clothes or not wearing God's righteousness. He says, I understand that you're trying to get in here, but you are not wearing the right clothes. You are wearing your goodness clothes. And that's good enough to get you so far into this house, but that's not going to get you there. You have to wear the wedding clothes or Christ's righteousness. Supposed to put this changing on of these clothes. Verse 14 finally says, For many are, vi- are I'm sorry, for many are invited, but few are chosen. We can't come to this house of God and think, whew, we're probably good. We can't live in our goodness, in our righteousness, and feel like that that's good enough. Good enough is not good enough. It is only through Christ's righteousness. It is only through Christ's righteousness. And this is the reality. What what we do to get ahead here in the world is not what you do to get ahead, get ahead, in the kingdom of God, to go the right direction in the kingdom of God. How do you get ahead at work? Well, you know, hard work and no mistakes. But how do you move into the kingdom? Love and faithfulness. How do you get ahead in school? Well, you study and you stay focused. In the kingdom of God, you deny yourself and you worship. The things that you do to move forward and to live about here on this earth is not going to get you to the next to the next world to the kingdom of heaven it is through Christ's righteousness so i say repent and believe the good news repent and believe the good news luke 17 i tell you on the night two people will be in one bed One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Repent and believe the good news. You know, verse Matthew 25. I've got to read more scripture because this is... Matthew 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like... Ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So you've got ten who are wanting to go, and it's a long time off. Listen, I don't know if the Lord is coming in five minutes or 50 years. I have no earthly idea. But I know that he's coming. I know that he's coming. And so we keep this in the forefront of our minds, and we have to be ready. We have to be ready in that moment. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then they all woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, 
there, are, there will not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The wise who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the foolish ones also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't even know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. The day of the Lord is coming. And like these ten, there were five that were ready to go, and there were five that were not. And let me tell you something, all ten had the chance. All ten had the opportunity. There were five who chose to be ready. You have a choice. Your family has a choice. Those across the world, they have a choice. Then the king will say to those, let me back up. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and, his, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Since the creation of the world, he has had this in mind. From the creation of the world, he has known. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. We're talking about practical things right now that you can do. You act in God's goodness. Verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. There are things that when we are filled with God's goodness, that we act in that. And that's why, what, that's why we love each other as a community and as a church. And that's why we are here together. And last week I said that disagreement doesn't mean disunity. We are unified together. So we don't let disagreements mess up. No, when either of us are in need, we help each other because we are filled with Christ's goodness. And we reach out to each other's. On the other side, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Repent and believe.
the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Can you stand with me this morning? Repent and believe the good news. This is kingdom-minded. We can get too wrapped up in what is going on here on earth that we forget about the kingdom of heaven that's coming. And we have to stay reminded of that. It's easy to worry about our work and the kids and if my team is winning and all this stuff. But the kingdom of heaven is coming. Amen? It is coming and there will be a separation and your goodness is not good enough. Only Christ's goodness that lives inside of us. So very simply today, we're going to have a time of prayer and I want you to pray. And the first question that I want everybody to ask themselves is, God, how is my soul? How is my soul? I don't want to do it in my goodness. Christ, I want you to fill me up with your goodness and follow Jesus Christ. Forsake, repent, turn from this over here and go in this direction. The second thing to pray about, those who are closest to you. Do you have family who needs to know Jesus Christ? God, what do I do to share with them? God, I pray that they would come to know you. And then the third prayer is those outside of our city and our state and our country. How can we reach those around the world? It's very simple today. Very simple today. The kingdom of heaven is coming. Now is the time to repent. So if you would, find a place to pray. If you feel like you need to come to this altar and talk to the Lord, it is open. It is ready for you. But there's three things to pray for. Everybody, pray for yourself. Pray for your family and those who are closest to you and those who are around the world, that they would hear about this gospel that saves us. Ready? One, two, three, go. Find a place to pray. Say, dear Lord, some some of us today need to cry out, God, I am sorry. I am sorry for turning in this direction, trying to find my own way, trying to do this in my own goodness. There's some who are watching online. You have the tendency to turn, turn it off right now. Don't do it. Don't do it. Talk to the Lord. Bring your family close to you. Say, God, God, save our soul. And then thirdly, pray for those around the world who have not heard yet that we are currently sending people out. Yes, I know there are other things going on in this world, but the, the, the kingdom of heaven is coming. So God, we cry out to you for those around the world. God, hear us this morning and bring your salvation to us. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you for the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ has made a way for our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. Lord, can you help us help us to keep this on the forefront of our minds, Lord. Help us to share Christ with others. Help us first to, to know you for ourselves, and then help us to share Christ with others. With our family, with our workers and our neighbors and then those across the world. God, help us, Lord. 
I'm so thankful that, that I get to know and, and hear about your salvation really every day of my life. And to know that there are some who have never heard, God, I pray for those who are right now overseas and getting ready to go overseas. God, I pray a special prayer for them to give them favor and to give them strength and to give them direction as they reach out to those, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, help them. God, be with them, Lord. God, because they need to hear. They need to hear, Lord. So, God, I pray that you would be with them. Lord, touch them in the name of Jesus and help and help prepare the hearts of those who are going to hear, Lord. Just as you have prepared our hearts, help us, Lord. For us here, help help this not just to be another sermon, but God, this is something that we keep on the forefront of our minds, that this kingdom mind and the kingdom of heaven is coming, Lord. So help us. Help us, Lord. We love you. We love you in Jesus' name.